This is a remote voice podcast from Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. And I'm Daniel Silva. And this is the second letter in a series of letters that I'm writing from here about my time and uh, experience. So this second letter was written on the 22nd of July. So I'm recording it um, retrospectively. And by way of a short introduction, I just left Wallaby Beach, uh, the infinite dyad of beauty and ugliness, and arrived in Gapuyak, Lake Avella, where I still am at the time of recording this. And in this letter, I reflect on the end of my time in Wallaby Beach and on my arrival in Gapuyak. I'd been here for a couple of days um, when I recorded this. There are some photos and sounds from uh, Wallaby Beach and some photos from Gapuyak on my website. And you can also subscribe there to receive these letters by email. Um, one more thing before I read the letter, if there's any dogs interrupting the background silence, that's because there are lots of dogs here interrupting the background silence. So, okay, here goes letter number two. Let me just say that change out here is constant, but not time. Time bends and warps, and sometimes it stretches to eternity. Days begin instantly. They burst forth from sunrise like supernova. Then they cruise at 34 degrees forever, until sunset, when every color from blazing red to the deepest violet spreads out in slow motion across an infinite horizon. It's light speed, sunrise, and technicolor sunset, and eternity in between. Writing my last letter, I felt as though I was sifting through shrapnel left here by the bomb blast of modern life. After sending it, I wept. For the confusion and helplessness I was feeling. For the grief I could see in everyone's eyes. I wept for the hungry and the sick and the lost. And especially I wept for the displaced. For those of us, maybe all of us, who somewhere deep down feel as if we haven't been home in generations. Then I picked myself up and went outside. There was a fire on the beach. A group of five people from the Czech Republic were visiting Jalu and they brought food to share. So we all sat together. Jalu, Dopia, Mala, Rena, Vernon, a couple of kids and some unfamiliar faces. Dopia said it was like old times. I thought to myself how odd that a group of Czechs, some baked chicken, a teary-eyed Jew and boiled potatoes on Thai-made blankets, how that could possibly bring back memories. But I too felt nostalgic as if I were remembering something older than any of my actual memories. I looked around at the firelit faces and listened to the hum of crisscross conversations and I realised we were all there for the same reason. To remember what we ever did with eternity before there wasn't enough time in a day. And that night I slept like a baby. The next day a group of young boys decided to show me a place five kilometres west of Wallaby Beach where Crocodile Creek meets the sea. Before setting off, we gathered several of the straightest stems we could find and fashioned them into spears. 
I packed a knife, a lighter and a water bottle. JJ walked next to me, a little behind the others. Earlier that day we'd made a game of drawing a diagram of the body with Yungumata labels. That's the language group out here. JJ was still in language mode and patiently pointed out to me the different sites in his native tongue. Soon we came to a place he identified as the home of a big crocodile. One of the other boy's brothers was famously bitten by this one. So spears in hand we stared down the last known whereabouts of the great lizard. Like old times, they say. Turns out that boy's father died last year. It was a suicide. JJ said he was a good man. He also said his grandfather was killed by a bus because he was drunk and didn't see it coming. JJ said when he grows up he's not going to drink. He wants to play footy instead. I suggested he consider go to university, and he agreed. By the time we reached the river mouth we hadn't caught any fish, so instead the boys collected long bums, a crustacean with a 10 centimeter triangular shell, lipids, river snails, and mud mussels. They gathered dry grasses and a few sticks and with my lighter made a small fire into which they tossed our bounty. By the time the fire had burned down, each of them had assembled in front of his folded legs an apparatus consisting of one flat rock for the bottom and one for the top, to crush and deshell the various critters. A little lemon juice would have been to taste, but on the whole everything was delicious. When we got back, I felt as though I'd extended the patch of earth around me on which I knew my feet to have stepped and I could breathe. I felt as though I'd slipped beneath the surface of this place and found there an innocent human experience of discovery and survival. And I tried to stay in touch with these feelings during each of my remaining days at Wallaby Beach. For the most part, I managed. I finished my yadaki and Dopia painted it with a traditional cross-hatch pattern and I now carry it with me. And so it was that ten days into a journey barely begun, I packed my suitcase full of questions and said goodbye to Birichimi. My charter flight to Gapuyak was scheduled to leave early the following morning, so I spent one night in town at a motel. Jalu's son planned to meet me there with a care package for his two kids. They live in Gapuyak with some family. Yungu kinship, an elaborate constellation of lineage and location, is a thing to behold. It's common for kids here to call four or five different people mum and dad. Other aspects of Yungle culture require life support from numerous intersectional community organisations working hard for continuity. Some organise traditional dances, ceremonies and tours for visiting Balanda. Others take a different approach, such as Yungle Radio, a highly successful initiative to broadcast local music, news and history. That's the English word Yungle people will use to refer to myths and stories, as if telling them is an act of remembrance. It's impossible to know the trajectory of the struggle for continuity out here, so close to town. Because on the one hand, watching mobs dance on the beach in front of groups of Balanda risks falling into the realm of token spectacle. But on the other hand, the owner of the motel I stayed in told me that the dancing and chanting he witnessed at a welcome to country in Yokala was so powerful he'd remember it for the rest of his life. My hope is that someday our children, or their children, or hear or watch or even sing along to any one of the thousands of ancient stories that crisscross this country. And when they do, I hope it makes them feel at home. Jalu's son never did meet me at the motel, but I arrived in Gapuyak on July 20th, 2018. It's a village the size of a postage stamp, 220 kilometres east of Nulamboy. At one end of the main road is the airstrip. 700 metres away at the other end is the lake. There are seven crossroads, the longest of which will take you 350 metres. 
There is a general store, post office, health clinic, rec centre, council chambers, art centre and a school. The houses float on luxurious plots of land, dotted with trees and shrubs, watched over by eagles, crows and brightly coloured bee-eaters. The dusty roads are red. So are several of the houses. Others are green. Mine is yellow. It's a two-bedder with a spacious kitchen and an open-plan south-facing living space. Its walls are pale blue with powder blue window frames and skirting boards. The main bedroom looks over a sprawling rear garden with three large trees, a perennial gum and possibly a Kimberley rose. There's also a fire pit and a heels hoist. Around the side is a shed, carport and a storage container housing some spare furniture. Not that I need it. Back inside there's a large timber dining table, several bookcases, a plush satin sofa and two deeply set armchairs. The washing machine can hold eight and a half kilos, only two more than the dryer. A selection of non-stick cookware and cutlery stay behind the white laminate kitchen cupboards. There's also a blender, toaster, kettle and 12-strom cupcake tin, which slides easily into the electric oven. The bathroom has a mirror and medicine cabinet, as well as a shower equal to the task of blasting the red dirt from beneath my fingernails. I've not yet met my western neighbour, but to the east is a woman and her daughter from Zimbabwe. Three Africans in the heart of Australia. Or so we joked when we met and yarned about the lay of this land. She has a joyful spirit, runs a women's group here. There are problems, and she's frustrated by what she perceives to be an uphill struggle to guide the community towards something like the integration of the Western values of education and self-determination. Why? It's a question I'm carrying around. Maybe Jungle culture can stand on its own out here. The possibility seems less remote the more remote I go. At the same time, globalisation is here too, and it's a flood. Even the strongest swimmer runs the risk of drowning in its hazardous waters of nihilistic overconsumption and pathological self-obsession. Everyone needs some basic skills in navigation. So maybe that's what we're doing here. Myself and the 30 or so Ballander that work as teachers, medics, community developers, employment consultants and aid officers. Maybe we're here to learn together just what kind of ship is going to keep us all dry. School starts on Tuesday. I'll run several art projects of varying scale as a volunteer this term. Some will centre around ideas I brought with me. Others will be in collaboration with various members of the community and calendar. Like the art centre. Every Saturday, Trevor, who runs it, makes coffee for anyone wanting. It's a caffeine watering hole, and today, alongside a, bund of, alongside a band of enthusiastic folk, I had my fill. Among them was a woman named Judy Davy. In the 1960s, Judy was one of a handful of Methodist missionaries who bush-bashed their way to this place with enough gear to mill timber and started this town. She'd not been back in over a decade, but lo and behold, she was here for a visit. So I asked her if she'd do a recorded interview with me. She agreed. Trevor suggested we do it in the art centre, which we did. But that's a story I'll save for the next letter. With love, Daniel. Okay, so that is the second letter. And I don't really have any afterthoughts. So I think I'll just leave it there and hope you found that meaningful and that you check in with letter number three. <laughs>